Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 202. Hey, my riches, I'm Hayut, and I'm so happy and excited to be here every week with you. It's a real pleasure. Before I jump into today's topic, and we have a special topic today, I would like to ask you to go and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and uh, give us a rate and review. We would be very happy with that. Today I want to share with you a thought I had when I suddenly realized that I'm not really on focus. We're going to talk about why the law of focus is the most important law for your entrepreneurship today. And what does it mean in practical sense? Unfortunately, you won't find my room on Clubhouse. Not because I'm not on Clubhouse, I am. There are some fantastic rooms there, and I've heard some meaningful discussions. I actually thought about opening a room, and I even decided what it would be called, and who my partner coordinators would be. But then, I realized that I had totally forgotten the law of focus. This law has a few meanings. I first read about it 25 years ago in what I consider to be the best marketing book I've ever read, The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing by Al Rice and Jack Trout. The law of focus says the most powerful concept in marketing is owning a word in the prospect's mind. We must create a clear identity in the minds of our target audience. The best way to get ahead of the competition is to be very clear and focused about what word we own. But it starts much earlier. There are two decisions you should make regarding the basis of your market strategy. Who are your target customers and how should you define your product or service so that your potential customers understand its value. As an entrepreneur today, you are probably confused. There are so many options, so many people who might need your product, and so many ways you can present your product to your customers. But because there are so many options out there, you must find the customers who feel that they must have your product, that it solves their problem or best fulfills their need. The problem is that to focus and be the best solution for one or two specific target audiences, you have to give up on so many potential buyers. Here comes the law of sacrifice. You have to give up something in order to get something. There are three things to sacrifice. Product line, target market, and constant change. 
So many opinions are out there. Everyone knows what you should do, who your target market is, and what marketing activities you should run. But here is the truth. Nobody knows. You can't know until you search the market from the point of view of your potential target audience. Searching the market is not complicated today. In most cases, you don't need an expensive research company. You can learn more about how to do it from my short guide, The Three Free Practical Steps to Researching and Finding Your Market, and you will find it on the show notes of this interview. Today, I want to bring you two examples of entrepreneurs who managed to build a successful brand by focusing on and owning a single phrase in the minds of their target market. How did they manage to do this? They focused on the right things and sacrificed other options. The first entrepreneur is Mike Stelzner, who created the leading social media blog, Social Media Examiner, and the Social Media Marketing World Global Conference. Stelzner managed to own the phrase social media in the minds of his target audience. Let's hear his story. Michael Stelzner is the founder of Social Media Examiner, author of the books Launch and Writing White Papers, and the man behind Social Media Marketing World, the industry's largest conference. He is also host of the Social Media Marketing Podcast, founder of the Social Media Marketing Society, and host of the weekly Social Media Marketing Talk Show. Mike Stesner, so great to have you here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And can you tell me in very, very few words about your career and how did it all come together to, to this social media examiner and the social media marketing world? I started um, as a writer. And then in 2009, I did what I call my great experiment, where I was able to secure the website socialmediaexaminer.com for like $10, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, from one of those website places. And I decided to reach out to some of my friends who were writers and encourage them to write for this movement that I was starting called Social Media Examiner. And in 2009, there were not a lot of websites that were giving away a lot of free information. And this thing just kind of took off. And in months, all of a sudden, I had a crazy successful blog on my hand Mm. and and then the rest is history right from that blog we were able to launch online conference and then a physical conference and podcasts and live show and just all these things that we're doing today over eight years later but it all started with me starting you know getting a domain and having the um, willingness to try an experiment that i knew might not work Wow. I think one of the most uh, incredible things was that I, in 2009, suddenly found something free that all the time sharing information and knowledge and giving and giving and giving. And I think you actually established it that way. Yeah, that's when I established it. Can you please tell me who your customers are today? Who do you consider as your customers today? Anyone who understands the importance of doing marketing with social media. So 
it's typically somebody who is either a self-employed person who has a business and doesn't have a lot of money and wants to try to figure out how to use social media to grow the business, or it's someone who works for a business and their job is to do marketing for that business. So I classify all these people under the label marketers because in the end, everybody who's self-employed really is a marketer at heart, right? Because they got to market and they got to sell themselves. It sounds a bit strange. I think everybody knows that they have to use social media and I almost think everybody uses it, isn't it? Yes, but here's the thing. It changes every week. This is what gives us um, longevity. Because unlike other industries where, like in the science industry, where once you discover something that's true, you can kind of rely on that forever. In the world of social media marketing, things change constantly. And as a result, marketers need to keep up with it all. And that's where we come in. Hmm. And now I would like you to tell me a story about your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus. So something you did right. with your customers? I think that the greatest success that I ever achieved was deciding to not just teach people online, but to teach them in person. And the year was 2013. I launched Social Media Marketing World. 1,100 people showed up, and many of them told me it was the best experience they've ever had in their life. And for me, that was a really, really, really big deal because um, it was a lot of work, and I didn't know if it would work. But now, you know, we're coming up on our sixth year here in a couple of months. And, and I know now it's the best thing that we do. And it's, you know, I had to be willing to try this. And I'm glad I did because there's no looking back now. Hmm. Why? I mean, you have so much influence through online and through your blog. What really made you look for touching people in person? When I launched my website, Social Media Examiner, Yeah. I went to two other conferences, and while I was there, I made contacts with a lot of the speakers that were there, and those contacts became very instrumental in the growth of my company. And I began to realize that going to conferences and trade shows was really like the secret sauce to success for so many of us. And I just saw how poorly many of those conferences were done, and I wanted one for my audience. I wanted one for somebody like me. <laughs> I took all the things that were bad about all these other events, and I tried to make them right with my event. And I just had this intuitive sense that this is going to work, and it really did work. It does work. The second example is the amazing Melinda Emerson, who managed to own the phrase small biz lady of the United States. And build her brand around this focus. And now, let's meet the small biz lady. Melinda Emerson, small biz lady, is America's number one small business expert. She is an international expert on small business development and social media marketing. Melinda is also the president of the Quintessence Group of a marketing consulting firm based in Philadelphia, serving Fortune 500 clients who target small businesses. She has published over 5,000 articles on small business on her blog. Her advice is widely read, reaching more than 3 million entrepreneurs each week online. She is a former columnist for the New York Times and Entrepreneur. 
and she is the best-selling author of Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, second edition, and her latest book is Fix Your Business. Melinda Emerson, what a great pleasure to have you here with us. Hey! Hi, I'm so happy to be here with you. It's wonderful that you are here. I'm waiting to hear everything about what you do and about being the small business lady. And I just shared with our audience and my listeners what you've done until now. And I would like to ask you, what are you doing and most passionate about today? And where are you heading? Well, the thing that I am most passionate about is ending small business failure. <laughs> that is the thing that keeps me up at night. It's the thing that keeps me going every day. You know, I love entrepreneurs. We are the bravest, strongest, you know, most committed people in the world. But a lot of us struggle to run a business. And so my mission, my, you know, magical power is fixing businesses. Like that's actually what I do. It is my special gift. Mm -hmm. And um, I, you know, everything I write, every interview I give, every video I record, Everything I do is about that mission. In terms of the thing that I'm working on now that I'm most excited about, um, for the last 10 years, I've hosted a live tweet chat on Twitter every Wednesday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern called Small Biz Chat. And this fall in September, we are going to launch the Small Biz Chat podcast. Oh, Fans and, and people have been accosting me and emailing me about doing this literally for years. I, I was actually on vacation one day in Mexico and a lady came up on me. Hey, small biz lady, when are you going to do a podcast? <laughs> I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh, like I can't hide from, from anyone. Um, you know, my comfort level really is writing. I love to write articles, books, eBooks, you know, but I realized that there is power in the voice. There's power Definitely. in people being able to just listen to you. And so I, I'm grateful to finally, after 10 years, hmm. say, all right, we're going to turn this thing into a podcast and we're going to continue doing the tweet chat, at least for a little while. But um, I'm really excited about finally putting my toe into the <laughs> into the waters. It is exciting and I'm sure it will be a great podcast. It is exciting. And it's also, you know, time is the, I think, most limited resource that we have today. However, people still have time to listen whether if they're in the car or they're running or practicing or uh, making exercises. So I think this is the almost the only free time that people still have. Yeah, exactly. And they still want it to be consumed in this way. You know, I, I think it's time with your own thoughts is, 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 is underrated. I, I think more people need to take the time to think through things and process things. But if you're going to turn your car into a university, hey, why not do it with a podcast or, or a book on Audible? Me, I'm still old school. I still like to read things. I still like to hold books in my hand. <laughs> I'm not a Kindle person. Like, I'm, I'm just not. I'm old school. I still like the feel of paper in my hand. I can understand you, but I divided it. I listen to professional literature and I read, you know, uh, stories and romance and uh, the other kind of literature. So it's easier for me to listen when it's about professional. 
I, I can understand that. I can understand that. I mean, there's plenty of people that if it's not on Audible, they don't even want it. So <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has to consume their information how they want it. But I must ask you. Everyone likes to consume information how they like to consume it. You know, some people like to watch it. Some people like to read it. Some people like to listen. So that's okay. Like everybody wants us to connect with them where they want to be and not where we are looking for them, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> You've got a lot of successes and we'll get to it in a minute, but I want to ask you to share with us what is your biggest or one of the biggest, most critical failure with customers, the one that affected your journey the most? Ooh, that's actually, there are so many. Gosh, which one do I choose? Tell you about? <laughs> I love that. I knew you would say that. You know, about 15 years ago, my first business was actually a video production company. And we used to do a ton of work in the pharmaceutical and healthcare space. Yeah. One of our biggest clients back then was uh, GSK. And they had hired us to do a video of a health fair. They, um, Jerome Bettis, a former Pittsburgh Steeler, was one of their spokespeople for a big asthma drug. And he was coming to town, interacting with a bunch of kids at this big health fair. And um, we shot the video. They didn't want us to edit it or anything, but they just wanted us to shoot it and, and give them the B-roll so they could use it down the line for other stuff they had coming up. And we shot the video, gave it to them, and I, I didn't think anything of it. They paid us. And about six months later, um, I was up for a sole source contract with them. They were going to consolidate all of their video work and give a contract to three companies. And my company was one of the ones being considered. And so I got called into a meeting and I'll never forget this was I was about maybe like six months pregnant with my son oh. and, and my then husband at the time worked with me in our business. And we went to this meeting. We were so excited because we thought, OK, great. They're finally going to talk terms. You know, we're going to get this, you know, sole source contract, whatever. Um, and when we got there, the head of procurement was there. The head of video production was there and and the head of supply diversity was there at this meeting. And immediately I started feeling like mm, something's wrong. And so the head of video production put a tape in a machine and showed it to all of us in the room. And the footage that we had done six months ago of Jerome Bettis was blue. Oh. Yeah. So basically. All blue? All blue. Like my videographer had an indoor filter on, or he had an outdoor filter on shooting inside. And if that happens, the footage and everyone in it looks blue. Wow. And, and you didn't see that before. Hmm. And, you know, he was a celebrity. They'd paid him a lot of money to come to this event. And they used that as a reason for us. Not only did we have to do another video project for them for free, we never, ever got a piece of business from them again. And we never, ever got that. Hmm. I love that story. I love that story. Um, I have the story because, you know, when I'm asking about failures, a lot of people are finding a nice failure to tell about. But this is a failure that can happen to any of us, isn't it? And uh, oh, yeah. But it's, it is still something that you really feel ashamed of. So, oh, my gosh, it was horrifying. Like, I actually wanted the floor to open up and swallow me. I mean, it was just, it was so embarrassing. And for it to become so public. You know, because it was actually very mean-spirited of the person. Yeah, it was. Frustrated 
that meeting to embarrass me at a meeting. Yeah, bringing you over and doing that, it's not a person that I would like to take another contract from, I might say. A- absolutely not. I mean, and particularly because they didn't even give me the courtesy of telling me there was something wrong. That's right. So you're going to wait to sucker punch me in a meeting when I'm up for a, a big contract. And that contract probably would have been worth almost a million dollars to my company. <laughs> it was pretty terrible. Wow. No, yeah, I think, you know what? I think it's not even a story about failure because when we are failing, we have the chance to try and fix it. But if somebody just wants you to, um, to suffer for your failure, perhaps it's something else. I think the story is more, uh, more interesting about this person that chose to uh, humiliate another person, another business person. Yeah, I mean, it was not it was not my best day. <laughs> no, not the best one. But you had a lot of, and this is exactly the time that I would like to ask you to tell us the story of your greatest, or one of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers. Well, I mean, you know, I, I have a lot of amazing customers. Um <laughs> But one of my favorite projects I ever worked on, actually, believe it or not, um, I worked on with Wells Fargo Bank. And um, this was prior to the huge scandal, obviously, but they did a project with me where they hired me to show up uh, basically unannounced at one of their small business customers' businesses and do sort of like a surprise ambush makeover. And at the end of the project, um, they surprised them almost like Publishers Clearinghouse and gave them a $10,000 makeover to the, the retail store of their business. Wow. And it was so awesome. Like, <laughs> I was like, I got to be somebody's fairy godmother, literally. Like, with yeah. <laughs> my purse, you know, and and they had no idea, like, why I was there. You know, like, I showed up with this camera crew, and we had told them this story that they were going to be featured, you know, on Wells Fargo's website. And, and, and they, you know, we just kind of interviewed them about their business and their money management, da da da. And it, and it was like, they didn't realize, we were there for like two days and um, shooting footage. And it was a pet grooming business. Um, and so, you know, it was a husband and wife business and they, you know, told these stories about the the wife actually had an autoimmune disease and like kind of started this business because she really couldn't work for anyone else. And she needed to be able, like when, when her arms and limbs, you know, were tired, she couldn't work. And so she, but she was very passionate about grooming pets and stuff and, Mm -hmm. um, it created like a really great business, but it was so awesome to give somebody so incredibly deserving Mm -hmm. a leg up like that. Wow. And to surprise her at the end of our two days with a, but wait, there's more, you know, <laughs> and, and they brought in, uh, you know, a, a designer who was going to redo the complete front storefront of her business. And, and you know, and Wells Fargo was, was paying for it. And, it and and it was absolutely awesome. And it sounds like that. And it's also a very beautiful idea. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. And like to this day, I don't know that I've had that much fun on a project, <laughs> coaching an entrepreneur and, and being able to like know a secret that they didn't know. And the secret was that you're going to get all this money. <laughs> They're going to fix your front of your business. It's going to be awesome. Like, yeah, that was pretty, pretty cool. 
And Melinda, you know, um, there are many factors that affect uh, one's success. Although I believe that each of us has one winning factor that really made it for them, that really helps us to succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? I think my key success factor was just relentless consistency. Hmm. You know, I think that when I made the decision that I wanted to be America's number one small business expert, hmm. I also had to make a decision that there were lots of other things that I was going to do. And so that meant I was willing to do a live show on Twitter every Wednesday night for 10 years, every wow. Wednesday night. Um, and it, we'll put a link to that chat as well. Yes, yes. And then also, too, my blog, SucceedAsYourOwnBoss.com, for more than 10 years, I've posted two to three times a week. Wow. Every week. Yeah, you said about 5,000 articles? Yeah, It's yeah. a crazy number. I can't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very crazy number, let me tell you. Um, not to mention the articles that I've written for the New York Times, Entrepreneur and Inc., you know, on wow. top of that. But what I will tell you is that that's what it took, you know, to become, you know, world renowned as, as the small business lady and as a national and international small business expert. And I don't think most people are willing to work that hard. Hmm. So I think that for me, once I made that decision, I executed. So consistency. And I never, and never didn't deliver. And I think that to deliver quality content for over 10 years takes strategy. Sure, it's sure do. And, and so consequently, that's why I'm extremely well regarded, hmm. you know. So I love this uh, key success factor. Actually, I must say that a few people say consistency, but you really have a great story because producing so much content and uh, giving all the time, creating something for others, I think it's very unique. Being focused is what allows both brands to stand out from the competition. For me, with the Rich or Miss podcast, the more focused and clear we are, the more familiar we become. The words we focus on are entrepreneurial marketing. This is my expertise and what I've been known for. To stand out, I also need to choose the right channels for building my brand. Although some of my target audience is already on Clubhouse, most of them are still on LinkedIn and Facebook. So, for now, you won't find my room on Clubhouse because I realized I should keep focusing on other channels. And as I said, most of the time, the more focused you are, the more you will stand out from the crowd. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you learn from these two entrepreneurs. I look forward to meeting you next week. Bye! And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.